Hello Agent. Welcome to the Impossible Missions Podcast, hosted by Rob Kinea and Kevin Hunt. We're fans of the Mission Impossible movie franchise, and the mission we've chosen to accept is to watch, for the first time, the classic television series that inspired it. As always, should we be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of our actions. Good evening, Mr. Hunt. Good evening, Mr. Kanaya. How you doing? Great. Feels like ages since we did our last podcast. Has it been a couple of weeks? Only a couple of weeks, though. In the meantime, we won our uh, local film quiz, didn't we? Yes, the Christmas special, which, considering I don't think I've seen a Christmas movie, was impressive. <laughs> no, just to explain, actually, the, our local cinema does a film quiz, mm. and we're quite clued up on films, aren't we? But they, they did a Christmas special one earlier this week, and... Um, yeah, as you say, it was 12 rounds. No, not 12, 12 rounds. rounds. 12 <laughs> rounds. It, it felt it like it. It lasted a while, yeah, it felt like it. What was it, six rounds? Yeah, um, five six. in a picture quiz, six in a picture quiz, something like that. But it was all based on Christmas films. Every single damn question. Yeah. Half and of them were, were the answer Die Hard or Die Hard 2. <laughs> <laughs> Quite rightly, including Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Oh, yes. The best Christmas movie. I will brook no argument on that point. <laughs> so, anyway, back to the matter at hand. Yes, we watched season one, episode 13, Elena. Elena. I wasn't exactly right on the money with my guess, but not far off in places. What, what was our guess? I can't remember what our guesses were. They were going to sacrifice a woman to some dark god and the IMF had to stop it. <laughs> god, yeah. No, that was not what happened at all. <laughs> no, your, not. Yours was something about omelettes? I can't remember exactly. I should write it down. Oh, it was, yeah, because of that weird yellow gunk that oh, yeah, appeared like on eggs. the... Um, yeah, the Ghostbusters reference. Yeah, <laughs> most weeks have a Ghostbusters reference. Um, but yeah, it was a rolling episode, wasn't it? Yeah, big on rolling. Which we are. But it's difficult to, to not like the man. Charming. No, yeah, charming, suave, sophisticated. Everything you want in a spy. Handy in a fight. Handy in a fight. He had some good fights in this episode as well, didn't he? <laughs> yes, some, great, some good punch-ups. Some great moves. Mm. But we start with Dan. We do. Getting the mission briefing. And there is zero faffing around this week he just walks up to like a camper van or a motorhome that's parked up yeah. in a car park outside a liquor store yeah um he's got the key already lets himself in the tape reel-to-reel players on the table and there's some photos pinned up on a board yeah he hits play and that's it no fuss no i liked um when he got out because he turned up in his car didn't he and he even got out of his car with a bit of a roger moore flourish <laughs> which is great <laughs> he does his usual Look, looking around to see if he's going to get spotted in the most conspicuous way imaginable mm, and then yeah, disappeared yeah. inside. I miss Dan. I don't think we've had a good Dan episode in a while now. He had some tequila last week. He did. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I forgot about that. I thought the last episode we watched was um, the, the ghost one, the Scooby-Doo <laughs> one, but it wasn't. That was the last one that was released before. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm getting confused on the episodes. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, he was all right on that one, wasn't he? But... <laughs> I was hoping he was going to be in this one. Alas, mm, not it was so not, wasn't no. to be. So, he gets the briefing. Good afternoon, Mr Briggs. Elena Del Barra has been acting as an agent for us. Her important assignment deals with enemy plans to infiltrate her country, which is friendly to our government. Recently, she began behaving in a bizarre manner, indicating a severe emotional disturbance. Last week, she sent us a strip of microfilm, not of enemy plans, but one which details defence secrets of her own country. 
Mr. Briggs, your mission, should you decide to accept it, would be to find out why Elena Delbarra is behaving so strangely, and whether or not this key agent will continue to be a dangerous threat to our organisation. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the Secretary will disclaim any knowledge of your actions. Please destroy this tape by the usual means. And this time the usual means is mm-hmm. he dumps it in the kitchen sink in the motorhome and it just fizzes into non-existence. It's like half full of some liquid or other. Yeah, it was like weird. It was weird because he, he, he just threw it in and it started fizzing as if it was acid in there. It was like mild green IMF liquid. <laughs> Which is, of course, totally usual. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't even I don't even blink at these scenes now. It's just like it's just another. I expected him to just like open up the oven and throw it in, yeah. roaring inferno like it seems to be every other week. Yeah. So are they saying on that briefing that Elena accidentally sent microfilm to the wrong people? Is that what they're saying? Accidentally or deliberately? They're not sure. Or deliberately. So she sent the she sent the. American agents. Is she she's dealing with the IMF. Is yeah, she, or is it she's, just the, the government. Seemingly, she's an IMF agent. Okay. Sort of in place in her country. Right, and then rather than feeding their secrets back to the Americans, she accidentally or on purpose sent microfilm of their own plans to. Them. Yeah, or the, or the fear is like the enemy are using her. They've sort of turned her maybe mm, into like a triple agent or something. Yeah, but um, okay. Bottom line is, she is not acting normal, is she? So they need to um, see what's going down. Yeah. So, possible mission Facebook. Dan pulls out Rollin and Carlos Enero, MD, a psychiatrist. Mm. What, was, what was his name, Carlos? Carlos Enero. Enero. Uh, he's played by an actor called Barry Atwater, who, as with most of these actors, crops up in the original series of Star Trek. Oh, did he? Uh, and he plays a Vulcan called Surak. He's like a historical figure in Vulcan. He's the one who... Why do I know that name? ...who invented or sort of brought forward the, the logical way of living for Vulcans. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're in the apartment, and Dan's giving essentially a PowerPoint presentation on Elena to Dan and Carlos. He's, he's set up like a slide <laughs> yeah. projector, and he's uh, he's got it projected up on the on the wall above the staircase. Yeah, but the, these projectors were like floor-to-ceiling images. <laughs> pretty glamorous images of Elena yeah. looking pretty stunning. At some point, she's obviously posed for model shots. I think she was posing for Dan, because he says... <laughs> oh, yeah. The, re- the reason he gives why he can't join in on this mission is because he's got a history of her. Got history with her. Yeah. They don't press him any further on that. No, and I really wanted them to. And I'm sure Dan, as a gentleman, would not discuss it. I bet he would to Rollin. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably got another PowerPoint presentation for that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's on the other wall. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Dan's not going with them, uh, like Zabrovnik's ghost, because in that one he had history with Martha Zabrovnik. Yeah, and then he had had history with the um, the trapeze girl in... um... Yeah. But he did go on that mission. <laughs> he did go on that mission, yeah. Apparently the original script for this episode did have Dan in the Rollin role. Yeah. And then they changed it for whatever reason. Mm. So he tells them that Elena's father was the deposed president of the country, who in the meantime has committed suicide. Since his death, Elena's been working in research at the government hospital, uh, where Carlos... Our psychiatrist has accepted a residency, so that mm. puts him in in country in position. Dan says to Rollin, "Check the lens in that microscope." He's got like a bright red microscope sat on the table in front of him. Uh, he opens it up, and inside it, he finds the microfilm little mm. strip. So what, 
two, three inches long, a couple of little images on it. They never really show what they are. It's kind of no, they don't matter. actually. It's not. It's not as small as I thought it would be for microfilm. It was quite <laughs> big. I thought, but I suppose you pick up on the camera. Yeah. So Rollins' mission will be to find out where Elena got the microfilm from and return it without creating an international incident. If Elena is suffering a mental illness, he can call on Carlos to help him out. To find out if she is mentally unwell, he might have to put her under stress or wind her up to, to kind of mm. reveal the problem. Yeah, yeah. And then Dan says, now the hard part, because there's always something more, isn't there? And changes the slide to a picture of a man. Uh, this is an independent operator who has orders to kill Elena if he doesn't hear from Rollin by next Saturday that she can continue her assignment reliably. Rollin and Carlos are the judge and the jury, and this operative is the executioner. Mm. I got the impression this guy is an IMF agent too. Did you? Because I was going yeah. to ask you about that. Why would they need a third person to purely carry out the execution? Why couldn't they have trusted that with Rollin to do it if the plan wasn't going to go right? Because Rollin's got it in him. I don't know, perhaps they were worried Rollin would get compromised as well. And, well, he might, he might well do. <laughs> if you've seen the pictures of Elena, you could understand why that might happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do you think this is what they mean when they say they'll disavow any knowledge of their actions? Do they send an operative to off IMF agents who go off the grid? They might do. Yeah, because what, what do they say? They say if you should be caught, if you're caught or, killed. or killed. I guess if you're already been killed, you don't have to. They we don't will, have to worry. But no, no, we will disavow. I just or thought, in this one actually, he says disclaim any knowledge of your actions. Well, I just assumed if they're ever caught, then even if even if an IMF agent gave up who they worked for and things like that, the IMF would just deny. Yeah, bit like um, MI6 in in 007. Yeah. They just kind of um, pretend that... Well, they, they shun them. They we don't, don't know who they... you are. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like Putin and all his <laughs> cathedral-visiting friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, they're obviously making an exception for Elena. They're just going to kill her, which seems a bit harsh. But yeah. there you go. She had... Um, she, she was a very striking actress, wasn't she? She had, like, the biggest beehive I've since, <laughs> seen since Marge Simpson. <laughs> it's absolutely hell, massive. One hell of an updo. Yeah. Yeah, so Elena's played by an actress called Barbara Luna, who is quite famous for a guest star role in a Star Trek episode. Okay. Uh, Mirror Mirror, the one that introduced the idea of the Mirror oh, Universe. Yeah. She plays Lieutenant Marlena Moreau, who's mm. like the evil Kirk's sort of lover aboard the Enterprise. <laughs> oh, cool. She guest starred in hundreds of television series. She will have another appearance in a Mission Impossible original series episode right. in a few years' time. That's the same character? or Different character, I think. Okay. Um, and she also pops up in the 1980s Mission Impossible as well. Does she? Yeah. She did some Broadway work. She was in South Pacific, The King and I, West Side Story. Um, oh. She's um, quite exotic looking, I suppose you'd call it. She is, yeah. Uh, apparently her ancestry includes Filipino, Hungarian, Jewish, Italian, Portuguese and Spanish. Wow, so okay. Quite, quite a mixture. Yeah, she's she's got a very... Um, it's, it's an odd look, isn't it, really? I mean, and the way she kind of... She, she had a bit of an Audrey Hepburn vibe to her. When she was talking quieter, she had that same kind of strange English-American twang that actresses of that period had. Yeah, it seemed to have, yeah. Um, she, she, I thought she was really good. I, I thought she was one of the strongest things in the episode, actually. She apparently considers... Mission Impossible to be the favourite of her shows that she appeared in. Okay. And, and she says it was the only time I played a somewhat intelligent human being. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So perhaps that's why it's her favourite. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a shame, isn't it? But yeah, she was good. I like. I really liked her in it. Actually, she she had a good um, relationship with Rollin, which obviously we'll talk about as as the podcast goes on. But um, yeah, she she was more she was a more rounded character than you have had for the other female characters that aren't Cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's definitely fleshed out. So from the apartment, we cut to the hospital that she's working at. Uh, Rollins in Elena's lab pretending to be a laboratory equipment salesman, Mr. David Miller. Mm. Uh, he's showing off the ultra-speed centrifuge. So it's one of those little things you pop uh, test tubes in and it spins oh, around yeah, really quick to separate yeah. the uh, stuff in the fluid. Um, Elena is completely not interested. It's funny, when she's when she's mm. in her lab coat and specs, she's like like an ice maiden. It's really yeah. weird. Yeah. She's, um, this is probably the worst link I'm ever going to come up with on this podcast. Actually, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to set myself that high. <laughs> she's, when she's um, at home, because she goes, she's, when she's out of the lab, she's, in my opinion, Audrey Hepburn. When she's in the lab, she reminded me of Business Kitty out of um, the Lego movie. You know, Uni Kitty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, that's, that's probably the most random connection you've drawn. I don't know why. I think it's because my kids are massively into Lego Movie at the moment and like all my points of reference now are kids' <laughs> films and TV shows. God <laughs> almighty, what happened to me? <laughs> yeah, so Rollins doing his best charm offensive. Elena's not particularly interested. Uh, she says he should try up on the fourth floor. He says, why? <laughs> What's up there? Psychiatry. Maybe they can do something about your overinflated ego. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That. All he had, all he had to come back for that was a weird wonky smile. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Rollins switched on this little centrifuge thing, so it's um, spinning around and around. Mm. And when Elena looks at it, she sees something else superimposed, spinning really quickly over the top of it, mm. like this sort of yellow and red shape. We can't really make it out at this point. The music kind of goes a bit spooky at that point, you know. Yeah, at that point, I thought we were going to have another ghost episode. <laughs> and I was like, yes, man, too. <laughs> um, she sort of loses her train of thought and she's blinking at it. And Rollin mm. spots that she's behaving a bit strangely. Yeah. But then the timer on the centrifuge buzzes and breaks the spell. Mm. Uh, Rollin stops it spinning. He tries to give her the test tube that it's, you know, separated out. Yep. She takes it, but her hand's like really shaking quite badly. He keeps pushing on with his salesman routine, but she completely freaks out. And when he yeah. he sort of takes hold of her like wrists gently, he doesn't grab her yeah, yeah. to try and calm her down. She <clears throat> yanks her hands away and storms out of the lab. Mm. Ronin ends up with this bracelet that she was wearing in her hand. It's this enormous mm. sort of gold bangled. It's got stones set into it. Thing isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think he took it deliberately, don't you? Because he kind of holds it I up think and so, looks yeah, at it. He's, yeah. he's not like, oh, how did that get there? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to um, Ronin outside Elena's house where there's some kind of demonstration going on, people marching backwards and forwards with placards and uh, soldiers guarding the front door of the house. Do they explain what they're protesting about? Uh, seemingly just... Like, government? Against the government. Okay. The I, I, I assume that was what it was, but um, they never really played on that. You didn't mm. need them outside. It didn't really add anything to the story. No, I suppose apart it, from I suppose it gives you a, a bit of civil unrest. Civil unrest, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked the guards outside this house. Actually, they were one. The guy that was um, one of the guys has got his tie tucked into his shirt, hasn't he? Yeah. And there's Rollins in um, case he has to fight someone. Yeah, Rollins goes up to the front door, doesn't he, and tries to tries to talk his way in by it. Is it the? What does he give her? The is the. 
Yeah, he's got the bracelet still. It's the bracelet, isn't it? Yeah. Well, before he gets up to the front door, he he bumps into someone in the crowd, and it's the operative from the the briefing, and they exchange this code phrase. It's like your cousin Alfredo in Cincinnati sends his regards. Oh, this is the executioner stuff. guy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. And Ronin says to him, "You were supposed to wait for my call." And the operative says, the situation is becoming more dangerous. You only have until 1pm on Thursday now. Mm. And then walks off and Ronin's like... <laughs> yeah, because he had until Saturday, didn't yeah. he? Um, so he's cut a day and a half off. He's altering the deal. Pray he does not alter it any further. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Ronin then sort of snatches the... He gives the little juggle on the bracelet. He's like, right, let's go. Yeah, Marches up to the door. Um, the guard outside says no one's allowed inside because President Fortuna is visiting. So Ronin says... Unfortunately the, not Bib Fortuna no. from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Ronin asks uh, whether the guy in charge can take the bracelet inside and let Elena know that David Miller would like to talk to her. Uh, while the guard's away, one of the protesters comes up to Rollin and sort of says, hey, Yankee, if you get inside, would you kill Fortuna for us? <laughs> but he does it right in, in front, front of, the of all the guards. He doesn't even like do it like in a con- you know in a conspiracy or anything. He's, he's sort of just really like a bit like um, Lenny or Carl out of Simpson. It just blatantly comes out of it. <laughs> I mean, unsurprisingly, he is dragged off by the guards. Yeah, that with a guy with a tie tucked into his shirt <laughs> with a really red face. Yeah. It's probably because of what he just heard. He's like, oh, not on my uh, bloody watch. Kill who? <laughs> Wait till Bib Fortuna hears about this. <laughs> so they let Rowan into the house. Um, it's a big old place, isn't it? Huge hallway yeah, nice, and living nice area. House. Yeah. The big uh, like skylight in, mm. the, in the living room. Yeah, huge kind of sweeping stairway going upstairs, obviously. <laughs> um, he tells Elena that he found the bracelet on the floor in the lab. So I guess he did pinch mm. it, really, because that's a lie. This bracelet is enormous, so how she didn't yeah, notice it's that she was missing it, I have no idea. Yeah, she was having a bit of a, a an episode at that stage, though, so maybe she didn't really, that's she true. wasn't quite with it. Yeah. Another man butts in, a younger man. This is Miguel de Ramos. Got like a little thin pencil moustache. Reminded me of Raul Julia as, is it Gomez Adams in the mm. Adams family? Yeah, he was actually, he did have a... He had a pretty good Gomez vibe about him. <laughs> Rollin turns on the charm offensive again and manages to convince Elena to invite him inside. She's much mm. more, I don't know, human than she was in the lab where she was she's kind of lot, just all yeah, business. Yeah, guard. She's always like a different character when she's outside of the lab because her guard's down. She's a lot more friendlier. She's almost girl, girl-like. Yeah, as if she's like um, a, a much younger girl, you know, like a... Yeah, because she sort of like you know skips in the room. Yeah, like takes holds him by the hand and takes him to the sofa when they sit down for a drink later, and complete polar opposite. Mm. Some would say bipolar opposite. Yeah, Um, I don't get the impression that she was she was meant to be that young. I thought twenty somethings, but Mm. but yeah, no, she definitely behaves a bit differently. Yeah, definitely. I don't know whether that's part of the. The thing that's happening to her, yeah, that we, you know, we don't know yet. So, Elena introduces Rollin to the other people who are in the living room, along Mm. with the president. Uh, First of all is her mother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rollin, the old smoothie, says, your daughter comes by her beauty, honestly. (laughs) She's quite a glamorous older woman as well. So you can't, yeah, I couldn't blame Rollin on that. (laughs) And she's sitting with uh, Presidente Gustavo Fortuna. Yeah, um, who's got a wonderful voice, isn't he? I think the he uh, does, yeah. I think the actor's Italian. Oh, is he? Um, okay. So yeah, he's got this like sort of deep, 
charming drawl, isn't he, with his like Italian yours. accent? <laughs> Without <laughs> the Italian accent. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. I hope the demonstrators outside have caused you no inconvenience. There's a, an older gentleman, uh, Tomas de Quarto, who seems to be like a friend of the family. He's the dude with the big nose, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. Big nose man. <laughs> big nose man. Uh, and there's also General and Signora Vascar. Uh, they're all chatting politics about mm. it's, they're building some cultural centre and they've, they're asking the general to be a part of it and whatnot. Mm. Rollin is offered a drink. Miguel gives him this drink. It's like bright yellow. Yeah, there's no escape here. It looks like urine. <laughs> it, does, it does look a bit like urine. What do you uh, call it? Chicha. It's called Chicha, uh, which Miguel rather pointedly says to Rollin was developed by the ancient Inca priests to calm their victims prior to a sacrifice. <laughs> Sounds like good stuff. <laughs> yeah. We should get some of that for one of these podcasts. <laughs> Miguel is super intense. He is. Why, why do they give that to Rollin, though? Because if it's, if it's to calm people down, Rollin's like, he's well chilled out at that stage. It's like, anymore, he'd be comatose. It's like... Well, I looked up this chicha stuff. Um, it seems to be a word that refers to lots of different drinks through South and Central America. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are alcoholic, some of them aren't. Um, and they're made from different things like grain, uh, maize, and all sorts of different fruits, depending on which country you're in. So, okay. So, you know, it could be a non-alcoholic beverage, but from Rollins' reaction, I don't think mm. it is. <laughs> no. Not the colour of that as well. I can't imagine any non-alcoholic drink being that colour. Yeah. Well, the very Peruvian chicha is made from corn. So okay. if this is supposed to be in Peru or somewhere mm. near Peru, perhaps that's why that it's might, bright yellow. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I did find a reference to human sacrifices that were first rubbed in the dregs of chicha uh, and then tube-fed more of it for days while lying buried alive in tombs. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, my God. So it was fun times in the uh, Incan Empire. <laughs> yeah. Blimey. <laughs> So, yeah, Miguel is super intense. Elena explains that Miguel does not approve of her work and wants mm. her to give up and become a housewife, <laughs> which he says... Ain't he, big. <laughs> he believes in their country's traditions and that Yankee liberties are destroying them. And Elena snaps back, what is it, kinder kuka kuka, just like the Nazis. Yeah. So she's not pulling her punches. Uh, this phrase seemingly, it's like a German phrase, which... Goes back to like the 1890s, hmm. uh, means children, kitchen, and church. Uh, although Hitler did kind of incorporate it in some propaganda after hmm. he took over in the uh, 1930s um, when he introduced this law for the encouragement of marriage, in which people who got married were given a loan of 1,000 marks. Uh, when they had their first child, they got to keep 250 marks, second hmm. child, another 250 up to four children when they would get to keep the whole 1,000 marks without having to pay it back. Right. Uh, and part of the propaganda was the idea that a woman's world is her husband, her family, her children and her home. So really progressive, right? Yeah, yeah. That Hitler, <laughs> what a bastard. <laughs> I think I'm fairly safe in expressing that opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're going to get many comments <laughs> opposing that. <laughs> The sounds of the crowd outside the house get loud all of a sudden. You hear, like, chants of death to Fortuna. And something smashes through the skylight. 
Mm. There's a bit of a panic because Elena's mother shouts, it's a bomb! <laughs> yeah. Um, the old man, Tomas, throws himself on top of this object. Um, Rollin bravely throws himself on top of Elena. On <laughs> he did, yeah. He did that before the stone come through, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's that chicha, Max. Yeah. It's uh, pretty potent. <laughs> Fortunately for Tomas, it's just a rock. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd been a bit messy, wouldn't it? It was like, it was a, quite a large... Quite a large rock. So as the fella threw himself on top of it, he would have known that wasn't a bomb anyway. So yeah. I think he was doing it to score points. I think so. Um, well, they helped the poor old boy off the floor. <laughs> you got down quite spryly, but it wasn't yeah. quite so quick getting up. Rollins still on top of Elena. <laughs> <laughs> Elena looks up at the crack in the skylight that's been made, and what we saw the yellow and red shape earlier on zooms in through the gap. And you can quite mm. clearly see it's like a, a mask. It's like a yellow mask mm. with red eyes. Again, only a lady. Like an Incan mask, isn't it? Like yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like a ceremonial kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, only Elena can see this, obviously. She also gets flashes of different things now. She sees um, statues in a corridor, a uh, shadowy figure, and I think it's a condor. It is a condor, yeah. Big old bird. That made me jump, actually, because it was strange imagery anyway. And then. Was that that time, or it might have been a little bit further along when she has another vision, and it all of a sudden cuts to a real close-up of a condor's head. And a condor is quite an ugly-looking bird. It's, it's like a bit like a turkey head. On yeah. His face, yeah. And it's just like screaming at the camera, yeah. and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was a vulture at first, but he is a condor, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, sure I, think I think they mention, I think they do, I do think they mention condor later in the episode. She, Elena starts to behave strangely again, and she starts to apologise to President Fortuna for the behaviour of her father, because of his cowardice, these terrorists are out roaming the streets. She gets quite sort of hysterical at this point. Mm. They're out in the streets burning cars and stoning the embassies of our allies. He should have had their leader shot, and instead he took them into his government. Yeah, so she's really mm. ranting now. Yeah. Uh, she says they seized control and then shot innocent people in her father's name and anyone who dared to speak against them. And then her father killed himself. They will come in the night, the children will be seized and their hearts will be torn out. And then she just flounces off upstairs, leaving everybody stood around going... Open mouth, really, oh, like, what uh, the hell was that all about? Rollins like... Rollins oh, looks really um, uncomfortable then. It's like... <laughs> I don't really know you guys. Uh, oh yeah, can you I'm put yourself let in? Myself out. <laughs> that's it. Like that's exactly it. You put yourself in Rollins' position. You've just turned up at this massively posh house. There's all these protesters outside. The president is there. The president, yeah, is right there. And then all of a sudden, she like flips out talking about all that strange stuff. He's left downstairs with them all. Like, <laughs> what happens after that point? Does he just sort of slowly get up? Do you think he finished his chicha first, or just legged it? <laughs> I think he took it with him. <laughs> I'll finish this back at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, one for the world. <laughs> so later, back in the hospital, the operatives sort of sat at a street cafe across the road, watching mm. the outside of the building in case, I don't know, it gets up and runs away. I'm not really sure. They mm. seemingly use the same clip. It's like a four-second clip of him yeah, every time you cut back to him. <laughs> it's great. Rollin goes to Elena's lab in the office to try and help her out but she's again she's gone back to being kind of standoffish and mm. business like she's got her lab coat yeah. back on and her glasses mm. she's faffing around with some like containers of of liquid and things like that yes so Rollin tries to press her on all those weird things that she said when she was freaking out and she kind of 
wipes out at the stuff on the desk in anger mm. and knocks it over and you get a shot of the bench and there's a, a container with the words radioactive on the side <laughs> and all this weird yellow liquid just hissing on yeah, the bench. Yeah, really odd looking. They're like radioactive eggs. Yeah, we, when we saw that in Mission Unguessable, you were like, eggs? Yeah, it, it looked like <laughs> eggs. But anyway, Rollin goes into battle stations or yeah, panic we, mode we, and one, one we go the to the, with the music uh, kind of goes oh no and we go to the ad break <laughs> and when we get back Rollins hosing down the lab bench yeah this hose is so like it's, it's the wrong tool for the job because as he's like hosing off these radioactive eggs he's spraying everywhere it's like you're just spreading radioactive like radioactive waste all over the room it's poor, like, poor Elena she's like standing about a foot away from him, just She's got, staring a, guy, got a Geiger counter, isn't she? You can hear yeah. it clicking away. It seems like the lab bench has got like a funnel in the corner of it, so it's yeah, washing it's like it away washing into it away, but another where? container somewhere, yeah, I guess. The floor, I don't know. The, the water supply, who knows? Anyway, mm. turns out that they weren't exposed long enough to receive a dangerous dose of radiation, so all's well that ends well. After. Yeah. That was quite an overly long scene in terms of just watching him clean up the, the radioactive mess and then watching him with like the Geiger counter for about 30 seconds. Yeah, rolling like, hand we, doing, we get it. it's, doing it's housework clear. isn't particularly exciting. No. Elena admits that she's been doing these strange things like, you know, throwing radioactive containers around without mm. realising that she's doing them and without being able to stop herself from doing it mm-hmm. and admits that she does need help. So Rollin takes her to Carlos and they lay her on a a bed in his office and give her an injection of something to kind of relax her and make her suggestive to what the questions that they're going to ask. Yeah, Rollin wants to dive straight into asking about the microfilm because it's Wednesday already and if he doesn't get an answer by one o'clock tomorrow, she's dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's right there. He probably... Yeah, I thought I was like, can she hear them at that stage? (laughs) I thought she was going to sit bolt upright and go, what? Anyway, she's... Pretty drugged up, so I'm not sure she knows what's going on. It was, quite, um, it was almost like hypnosis, wasn't it, what they were doing? Yeah, I guess but... they're trying to, trying to get at whatever it is that's locked away in her mind. Mm. So Carlos starts asking some questions, but she refuses to answer. So instead, Rollin uses the same code phrase that he did mm. with the operative earlier on. Yeah. And this seems to make her comply with what they're asking. So he asks her to recount what she was doing last Tuesday afternoon. So we get like a little flashback shots while she's telling the story that she was feeding the birds in the park. Mm. Um, she saw the courier and she gave him the microfilm. And she does it by, she's throwing bird feed down <laughs> and she throws the microfilm in like a little clear capsule mm. down on the ground with the bird seed. And this operative who stood right in front of her looking at her, you don't yeah. see don't see this person's face, No, just reaches down, picks it up and walks, walks off. off. It's again. the most obvious dead drop. Yeah, Ever. why wouldn't it is. you'd let her? Especially with what she's wearing as well. She's really glammed up, just yeah. feeding the birds. Like it's a um... bright green outfit or something. Yeah, you'd think you'd wait for her to finish feeding them and then go and pick it up, or leave the microfilm at the bottom of the bag and, and leave, leave the bag on, the, on bench. the bench, and then he comes and sits down, picks the bag up, off you go. Nah. Anyway, no, but he's, he's right in front of her, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's about two feet. She could have just thrown it at his face. Yeah. <laughs> or got up and given it to him, but it probably been less <laughs> obvious. So they ask her then who gave her the microfilm. Mm. And we see a shot of a shadowy figure, their sort of face is really hidden, handing it over to her. And when Rollin asks her who, this is the bit where you suddenly get the close up oh, of that's the condor the birds. screeching. Yeah, that right screamed at me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when they ask her where she got it, she starts to completely freak out. Mm. 
when she calms down, she says that she got it in our room. And we see the statues that we caught a flash of earlier on. She can't say what room it is. And when Ronin asks her to describe it, what we see is, it's like you're on a boat travelling down a river through the countryside. Mm. Uh, Elena says the air is clear and sharp and the water shines. It's truly the eye of heaven. Carlos perks up and he's like, Lake Titicaca, Mm. which is a tremendous name. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good name. Didn't Uh, he direct um, Ragnarok? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, Yeah, so Elena says that she's there with her father. He's showing her the Inca ruins and the altar where the children's hearts were torn out. And she starts to have a bit of a freak out again about condors coming to tear out their flesh. Yeah. So that's normal. So, yeah, Lake Titicaca is the largest lake in South America, and it sits at an altitude of 12,500 feet Mm. in the Andes on the border of Bolivia and Peru. Uh, The Incas consider it an ancient site and the centre of the cosmos. Uh, But culture existed there long before the Incas. Apparently, in the year 2000, archaeologists found ruins of an underwater temple that was between 1,000 and 1,500 years old. No way, isn't that? That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So they keep mentioning oh. the, the Incas. So this is the Incan, no, Inca Empire, mm. which the dates I found for it were between 1418 and 1533. And there was like a last little pocket of resistance, but it was eventually conquered by the Spanish mm. in 1572. At its height, it took in Peru and parts of Ecuador, Bolivia, Argentina, Chile, and Colombia. So it was pretty massive. Yeah. I didn't realise it spread over that wide an area. And I found a quote that said it was unique because of what it lacked when you compared it to all the other large old world civilizations. Mm. It didn't have any wheeled vehicles or animals to ride or pull wagons and ploughs. They didn't have any knowledge of iron and steel or any system of writing at all. And still they managed to construct one of the greatest imperial states in human history. Wow. So, yeah, this chica must have been really powerful stuff. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. Chica, chicha, chicha. Yeah, because, I mean, if you compare it to, like, you know, the ancient Egyptians and the Mayans and things like that, I mean, the Mayans had, like, massive grasp on, like, astronomy and, you know, they were very they were very advanced for their time and mm. the same with the Egyptians. But that's amazing that they achieved all that without those tools. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. Oh. Rollin... Ask her to try and focus again on this room that she's talking about and think about the man who gave her the film. Try and think of his face. Who is he? All of a sudden, in her sort of flashback visions, we get the mask again, mm. full screen. Yep. And then the screech of the condor, and she screams, Viracocha, which Carlos identifies as an Inca god. Apparently, Viracocha was the father of all other Inca gods, and he formed the earth, heaven, sun, moon, and all living beings. And after doing that, he travelled, taught humanity, and then headed west across the Pacific, never to be seen again, but promising one day to return. Uh, he was represented as wearing the sun as his crown, holding thunderbolts in his hands, and with rain falling from his eyes as tears. Wow. So he's kind of a bit like uh, Odin yeah. in Norse mythology, I suppose. Yeah, he's I suppose the old, so, yeah. Old father. So Roland assumes that Viracocha is like a cover name for someone, and runs through the names of the various people that we've met so far so mm. Miguel and the president and Tomas and the general and whatnot mm. uh, Elena just starts screaming about fire and dead children and that she'll have to drink the chicha and be calm for the sacrifice <laughs> and just screams Viracocha's name again and again 
and then we go to the ad break mercifully because yeah. my ears were starting to hurt at that yeah, point. Yeah, mine was. That's just, just about the same time that Rolling Love a little squeak, I think, then as well. <laughs> so it's safe to say she's not entirely stable at this point. No. <laughs> it's quite well constructed, this episode, in terms of keeping you guessing. Because I, I, right up until the end of the episode, I genuinely had no idea who it was that they, she keeps getting in these images. Yeah. At first, I thought it might have been her mother. Because I thought maybe they've ran some red herrings out there where they're saying him all the time. Yeah, that would have been a good little misdirection. Yeah, but yeah, I, I hadn't, hadn't got a clue who it would have been. Yeah, it does all unfold quite quite neatly, actually. Which yeah, it does, actually. Like it's quite a tight episode, thinking yeah. about it. So Carlos brings Elena back out of her trance and lets her go back to her home so she can sleep it off. He says to Rowling that he believes she's under the influence of post-hypnotic suggestion. So even if Rowling wanted to just come out and tell her he's an agent and ask her about the microfilm, she wouldn't be able to tell him because she's been programmed not to. Hmm. Whoever it was who did this must have worked on her for weeks, probably giving her hallucinogenic drugs. And her subconscious is struggling against doing these things that she doesn't want to do. And all this ranting about child sacrifices and basically trying to kill herself, like with the, when she knocked over the radioactive stuff, mm. is like her subconscious screaming for help. Right. So all this ranting that she was doing about child sacrifices and things, I was like, does that have any basis in fact? She does mention it a lot. Yeah. Which... I, I found uh, an article on the Guardian website, which was from April of this year, so quite recent, hmm. um, saying that archaeologists in northern Peru had announced they found evidence of maybe the world's largest case of child sacrifice. A burial site known as Las Llamas, there were skeletons of 140 children aged between 5 and 14, ritually sacrificed around 550 years ago, along with the remains of 200 young llamas. So... Loads oh my god this, this is the Incas was it that... uh, yeah seemingly um, they think that they were sacrificed to try and stop uh, the El Nino weather pattern that would have been causing floods along the Peruvian coastline at the time and they possibly thought that offering the gods their most important things like their children which of course their future right. and the, the llamas were pretty much the only beasts of burden that the Incas had apparently so they were valuable to them you know in terms of their economy and whatnot. They buried the children facing the sea and the llamas were buried facing the mountains. I don't know what significance that had. Mm. They found some still-preserved footprints that oh, indicated God, really? the children were marched a kilometre and a half to this site. Uh, lesions in their breastbones indicate a ceremonial knife was used and dislocated rib cages suggest that they may have been trying to extract the children's hearts. Oh, that's horrible. And uh, Elena talks about their hearts being taken, mm. didn't she? So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess God, that was... is really dark. Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah, that's yeah, quick. I need to. I need to come up with some lols. Um, <laughs> where's my band? Damn it! <laughs> God, and that. I mean, that's not that long ago, is it? Either. I mean, I, I know it's a different group of people and you know, different country, different uh... understanding of the world and how it works. Yeah, um, but that is just dark. Yeah, even like they're still human beings. How can that not? destroy their humanity into, or have how can they not think actually this is this shouldn't be done this isn't right and but i suppose i mean there's always been there's there's always been sacrifice and bloodshed linked with religion for pretty much the whole well of all time really isn't there yeah. it's just another version of that really man 
Right, back to the mission. Yeah, I need to pour myself out of this <laughs> funk now. <laughs> oh. So Rollin calls the operative. <laughs> I don't know how he's got his number, but he has. Mm. Um, in the operative's hotel room, I assume. Asking for more time. The operative says he's not authorised to give it, but he'll check with his contact and get back to Rollin later at his hotel room. Oh yeah, so Elena's waiting for Rollin to take her home, so mm. he starts to. As they head to the elevator, they are followed by the most obvious tale in the history of oh, people yeah. tailing people. I worry about this guy, yeah, he's, I like this guy. It's like a sort of younger dude in a suit. Rollin spots him, and yeah. they, they all get into the elevator together. Yeah. And you were hoping for a kind of Captain America Winter Soldier moment. I really wanted him to, yeah, just turn around. Because there's there's there's, other, there's doctors in the lift with them, isn't there? Yeah. Doctors and nurses. And I really wanted him to say, um, what's the line Steve Rogers says in that? It's like, so does anyone want to... get wanna... started, does anyone want to yeah, get out? Yeah, does anyone want to get out? If Rollin said that and then just completely, like, kicked his ass in that lift, that would have been so good. No, no such um, luck, though. They just it happened down. in my head, yeah, so... Yeah. They just head down to the ground floor. The younger man sort of hangs around at the reception <laughs> desk. Rollin and Elena head out at the front entrance of the hotel. Mm. But Rollin quickly says to her, sit on that bench and wait yeah, for Yeah, he parks there. her down a bit, doesn't he? And then uh, so turns back round. Yeah, so as the young guy's rushing out to find them, Rollin rushes back in and deliberately but sort of shoulder charges the guy. <laughs> he like, literally barges him <laughs> into next week, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> and makes a big act of going, oh, sorry, sorry, didn't see you there, are you okay? And yeah. the, this younger man kind of freaks out because the guy he's supposed to be tailing has spotted him. Yeah. Rollin pretends he's run off upstairs. The young guy follows him <laughs> into the stairwell and kind of runs past Rollin, who's halfway up the stairs, pressed against the wall. Yeah. Uh, as he goes past, Rollin grabs the guy's lapels and practically drags him down the stairs. Yeah. And he's like face to face with him. That was the bit that was in Mission Unguessable because it looked so. I didn't notice it was Rollin when because it's such a really quick cut in the, in the uh, the trailer from the la- end of the last episode. But um, he's like, how did he not see him on the stairs? Because, like, the tail, like, the guy following him, like, sprints up the stairs to follow him. And he's like, he must have, I don't know if he was trying to style it out. And as he was running, he was like, oh, God, he's right there. <laughs> and Rollin kind of just, like, pulls him like he's elastic back down the stairs towards yeah. him. It's really good. Uh, Rollin's like, what's this all about? And the guy just claims he doesn't speak English and uh, shrugs off Rollin and runs away up the stairs. He got, I thought he got away really lightly with that. I thought Rollin would have like, you know, decked him or something. Yeah. But I suppose he's in public. He doesn't want to go to No, crazy. I suppose not. They get back to Elena's house. Mm. Uh, Tomas is there. He's waiting for Elena's mother. Um, he's going to take her to the opera because the president's been held up. Elena goes off upstairs to change. Uh, Thomas offers to make Rollin a drink of Chicha. Again. But yeah. Rollin declines and asks for a scotch on the rocks instead. <laughs> so while the drink's getting sorted out, Rollin has a little look around this sort of living room area they've got. And over on the back wall, there's an awful lot of familiar looking statues. Mm. Yep. Which Rollin kind of clocks. Although he hasn't seen the sort of visions that we've seen Elena having. No, so I suppose he wouldn't. So he wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to pair that up with anything. Connect it immediately, mm. no. Thomas asked Rollin if he's seen Elena behaving strangely, well, he did last night, but I guess he means since then. <laughs> yeah. And Rollin wants to know where Thomas fits into, you know, all this family and whatnot. He says he's just a devoted friend of the family. I don't think Rollin trusts anybody at this stage, really. No, I really didn't trust this guy at this stage. So he, he just claims, Rollin just claims that he hasn't seen her behaving odd at all. Mm. Elena's mother arrives, she's ready to go, so her and Tomas leave. Although the mum doesn't seem to approve of Rollin hanging around with her daughter. <laughs> no. 
Elena doesn't seem to mind, though. She does not. And no. pulls the old, uh, can you help do up the back of my dress routine? <laughs> yeah. It's Rollin, bless him. He does it up. Yeah. Yeah, good he's on a, him. He's a gent. She starts to make a move on him. Mm. And he's like, what about Miguel? And yeah. Elena says, I didn't make Miguel any promises. It's Smoochie's time. He is, and Rollin scores. <laughs> He, normally he has a no score draw, but yeah. <laughs> but this time one nil to Rollin Hand. Um, while they're having a smooch, Miguel arrives awkwardly, slams the door. This whole bit plays out this like a soap really... opera, doesn't it? Yeah. Even the music is kind of just sort of dr- melodramatic. Yeah, because he's like Rollin's like kissing Elena. It jump cuts to Miguel's like really a deliberately the door. slamming the door, and it's like he stood there the whole time, and yeah. he's like, "How do I get their attention? They're kissing. They don't know I'm here." So he kind of gently opens the door and shuts it again. Not gently. He's no, like, he doesn't. He's got an absolute look of despair on his face when he sees them getting it on, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not happy. He demands that Rodin leaves, and he claims that he's there because Elena phoned him five minutes ago to say that Mr. Miller was bothering her. Yeah. Which is weird. And Elena kind of starts to act a bit, not sheepish, shifty. Shifty. Yeah, she starts going a bit cold again as well. She seems to be siding with Miguel now and she says that he's got a temper. And right Mm. on cue, he pulls his gun out and points it at Rollin. And Rollin's like, okay, I'm going, I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. Although he undoes his jacket button, so you know something's about to go down. Oh, yes. As he walks past (laughs) Miguel... He judo chops his gun hand. <laughs> so the gun goes skittering across the yeah. floor. And then they have a bit of a punch up, you know, a bit of a grab the lapels and throw each other around. I don't know. He, he absolutely goes for a. This, <laughs> he just, he, his knee just drives into this guy's nuts. Yeah, and then so he does bad. this sort of mad <laughs> flying double kick move that it's knocks smooth. Miguel on the floor. He looked like something Chun Li would do out of Street Fighter. It was like a spinning bird kick. But yeah, the, the stunt guy just kind of. <laughs> throws both his legs straight out so he's completely off the ground and wipes out Miguel. It's kind of, I've never I'm a, I'm, I used to be a massive martial arts fan, I've never seen this move in cinema, video games like I used to do karate, it's not a karate move No. It, it, right, this is really hard to explain, you're going to have to put a picture of this on, um, and, on, the, uh, on the Facebook bit, page. Yeah. He kind of like leaves the floor he doesn't but, take a run-up either. He's just, just like a standing just, jump with both spinning. legs together. He's spinning as he's in flight. <laughs> he pivots, <laughs> I don't know, at the waist and brings his legs around like a battering yeah. ram almost. <laughs> a battering ram. And they both just end up in a heap on the floor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a move, though. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a shame, like, when you say earlier, what you said earlier about this originally was supposed to be a Dan episode. Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine Dan oh, doing that food. move? Yeah, <laughs> clown food would have been back. Oh, my God. But, what? yeah, what a move. That's <laughs> been one of my favourite fighting moves in this whole series so far. It's brilliant. It just comes out of nowhere. Roland gets his hands on the gun, <laughs> points it at Miguel, and Miguel basically just gives up and leaves. Mm. It's like, no yeah. fuss, just goes. Roland turns on Elena and accuses her of wanting Miguel to use the gun on him. And she looks at the gun (laughs) in his hand and we see again the mask of Viracocha appear over the gun. Uh, She freaks out again and runs away upstairs yelling at Rollin to leave. Yeah. So again, Rollin's left in this family's living room just going, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned it earlier, but I've I've dated girls like this before. (laughs) 
dear. There was no ink and masks in the house though, so. Did you have to fight an armed man? No, oh, luckily. Well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off there. <laughs> okay. Rollin goes to Carlos's office. He says, I'm confused. Mm. And Carlos says, That's why people come to psychiatrists. <laughs> <laughs> Rollin's pretty frustrated. Yeah. He just goes. There's a bit where he just goes. But what does this mean? <laughs> oh yeah, he does. Yeah. The Inca stuff. The her spilling the radioactive liquid in the lab. Her calling Miguel on him deliberately. Rollin's not. He's not winning at the moment, is no, he? He's, he's so frustrated with himself. Carlos thinks that Elena is testing Rollin. <laughs> we get into some really. Not great psychiatric opinions on the female psyche. Let's put I it didn't that write any of these down, but yeah, it was a, he, it was a very strange uh, so he says, part of the script. Yeah, he says her father sold out to the terroristers, which we know, and then he killed himself, which we know. Mm. And in her mind, Rollin represents a possible replacement for her father. Bearing yes. in mind she's just snogged him. Yeah. That's a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> we then get to perhaps even a worse part where he says psychologically for a woman her father friend and lover are practically all the same strong masculine elena desperately needs a protector that's um that's I'm why not sure i didn't write that down <laughs> school of psychiatry that carlos went to but um i think he needs a refund he does yeah yeah i, I don't know that's, obviously you know this is a 50 odd year old show so yeah he says Rollin won't be able to make any sense of what Elena's doing because he's dealing with a mind under hypnotic influence and also whatever drugs that they used. But they do all they know is that they have less than 16 hours now to mm. sort this all out. So I looked up um, a bit about hypnosis because I'm never sure whether these things that you see in TV mm. are things that can actually happen. So apparently... Have you ever, have you ever been hypnotised? No. Would, would, well, not that I know ever, of. Do you think you'd ever want to try? Or? No. <laughs> I'm not offering. <laughs> uh, honestly, no. Um, <laughs> it's the quickest decision I've ever made. No, no I, I don't wouldn't think I want would. to completely hand over control of my mind to another person. Thank no. you very much. That's marriage, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that is not marriage. I just want to go on the record for saying that. I was just making a funny. <laughs> Put the knife down, Helen. <laughs> Yeah, hypnosis, it's like heightened focus and concentration. So a person can zero in on a specific thought or a memory while blocking out any distractions around them. Subjects under hypnosis are said to show increased response to suggestions. Okay. And post-hypnotic suggestions are commands that are given to people while they're under hypnosis that they then act on when they're awake, but kind of unaware. Oh, so you could take a keyword and then it would make them... I don't know, act in an emotional way or something. But And when he says about them using drugs on her as well, it kind of reminded me of... Um, Do you ever hear of MK Ultra? No. It was like a CIA project, uh, sanctioned in 1953, hmm. and ran sort of through the 60s until it was curtailed and supposedly stopped in 1973, although some conspiracy theorists do suggest that they're still doing it. Okay. Um, which was a programme of experiments which, according to testimony that was given to Congress when they investigated it, utilised LSD and hypnosis to try and uh, create mind control techniques. And Mm. it was done on US citizens who were not informed of the purpose of the programme or that they would be given drugs. (laughs) No way! So so these citizens signed up to take Take part part in in an experiment, but not fully understanding what they were actually doing. Right, Okay, I thought they were... 
a hundred percent unwilling, but okay. It was you know it was a pretty big project, and they did some pretty dark things to these people when I looked into it a bit. It's. Uh, I thought you were going to go into what no, they were I'm doing, not, and I was I'm like, not. this podcast, this episode has gone to really dark places. Yeah, no, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole either. Look, okay. up, look, look up yourselves, guys. MK Ultra, it's not a good time. Makes you wonder with this, the stuff that governments have done, not just the American governments, that you don't know about. Well, there was plenty of suspect stuff after the Second World War, wasn't it? I mean, Operation Paperclip, where they basically signed up all the decent Nazi scientists mm. and used them in the space race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. God, yeah. So like, we'll let you off if you get us to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the mission. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Rolling bugs the operative again on the phone, but there's still no word on an extension to the deadline. Go back to your hotel. He's pretty room. um like the guy, the the executioner guy. He's he's pretty um he's pretty relaxed because he he's quite easy to convince in terms of t- changing his mind as well. Because there's a number of times when he's like, I need more time, I need more time. He's like, No, no, no. He's like, Oh, I'll give you another hour. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if he's an IMF agent too, he's maybe been in the same. Shoes We're on the same side. Some I point. mean, yeah. They're on the same side, but he's um, he's pretty strong at the beginning, like this guy, when he's dug his feet and dug his heels in. He says, no, 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 I have to do this. This is my one job. I need to do, make sure I do yeah. it right. Well, it doesn't pers- take much in persuading him to give him extra time on a few occasions. But as you say, if they're working for the same, you know, the same agency, then maybe, maybe he's got a bit of empathy for uh, Rollin. So he tells Rollin again to go back to his hotel and he'll call him when he's got word about mm. anything. Rollin does go back to his hotel room where there's been a break-in and the person who's breaking in is still there and attacks him. So we have another fight where every single piece of furniture in the room gets smashed, pretty much. It was was a bit of a Batman fight, wasn't it? There's a round table over there. I'm going to throw you in it. You get... It's mostly stuntmen, right? But you get one really quick shot of the person who's broken into the room and I think it's supposed to be the young guy from the hospital again. Yeah, you said it's that. Got a black suit I, I couldn't. On like he had before. I couldn't honestly tell because you don't. When he leaves, you don't see the guy's face fully. No. Um, so let's just assume it's him. If it is the young guy from the hospital, or or even a different guy. Okay, who are these people working for? Because it's they're never seemingly tied into anything. Are they part no. of the protesters? Are they something to do with? The plot that Elena's been drawn into. I assumed it was that. I f- the person that Elena keeps having the visions of that we still don't know who it is at this point. I thought they worked for that person. I mean, he's but seemingly in there looking for right. the microfilm. Hmm. But yeah, if so, if he's part of the plot that Elena's part of, hmm. they sent the microfilm away, or did she do that as one of her like subconscious efforts to resist? And, and maybe they need to find it again. Perhaps that makes sense. They don't make it, it clear. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's probably the most. If it's a, one of her like subconscious sabotage efforts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But Perhaps they don't. We've just we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't. They don't explain it though. No, they really don't. So yeah, they have a bit of a fight. Rollin unfortunately doesn't get the upper hand this he time. He gets decked, doesn't gets he? He's kicked out. onto the floor and then has a chair smashed over the back of his head. Yeah. And he is out. Mm. and the guy who was attacking him just legs it empty-handed. The operative tries to ring Rollin at this point, and the phone just rings while Rollin lies on the floor bleeding. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and we go to an ad break, come back from the ad break, and it's morning now. Rollin has been unconscious all night, and the phone's still ringing. I'm assuming the guy hasn't, <laughs> yeah. tried, hasn't just been sat there for like eight hours going, 
Will you pick up, honestly? Do you think the guy that was ringing him know, knew where he was? And if he did, why didn't he... Maybe he... Surely he would have been like, okay, something's wrong here. I need to go and see... I need to go and visit. Perhaps he just assumed, although he told Rollin to go back to the hotel, Rollin went off to see Elena again or something. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Eventually, Different Rollin... time before mobile phones, wasn't it? He yeah. Would just text him. Yeah, I made a little note here. There's a few bits where Rollin calls the operative later and the operative's not in his hotel room. Yeah. And I was like, nowadays, mobile phones would... None of this Oh, would did be... you actually feel that? Right, none yeah. of this would be happening. No. So yeah, Rollin finally comes round as the phone starts to ring again and Ryan Lando does a really good job of making him look like he feels like crap. He does, doesn't he? (laughs) He sounds like Batman when he's on the phone, like Christian Bale's Batman. (laughs) Not Adam West's Batman, that would have been great. (laughs) Hello, old chum. So yeah, he he manages to drag himself up to the bedside table and pick up the phone. There's this nice little bit where... He just sort of looks at it blearily. And yeah. There's a few bits of business that Landau does with the phone in this yeah, point, I'm, I'm, just to kind of get across the fact that he's probably concussed and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, I'd like to think that was him, the actor, doing that, Martin Landau, rather than... So he gets the, the handset up the wrong way to start with and yeah. then turns it around again. And then he sort of... He puts the phone down, doesn't he, at one point, and then when he goes back to the phone, he looks where the actual the cradle is the cradle is and it's not there and then he realises oh actually I put the phone on the floor and goes to pick it up there but it's like nice little touches and it, it kind of does make you just adds to the it makes it more believable that he's been absolutely flattened by this bloke it's Elena on the phone ringing from the hospital mm. while she's talking to him Rollin spots that the microscope that was at the apartment scene at the beginning mm-hmm. is lying on the floor in front of him and he quickly checks it, opens up the lens and finds the microfilm still in there. So mm. the, the other guy didn't get it. Yeah. And bre- he breathes a big sigh of relief rolling at yeah. that point. He says he's going to go over to the hospital to see her. She's to lock the door and not let anybody in. He puts the, sort of hangs up, picks up the phone again, tries to ring the operative. And he gets this really weird cut. So it's, <laughs> yeah. you go from rolling yeah. on the hotel floor with the phone in his hand to seeing the operative sat at the street cafe opposite the hospital again, to Rollin in the hospital hallway on the phone. With a plaster on his head. <laughs> still trying to ring. So I think they were trying to get across that some time has now passed, but mm. it was it was pretty clumsy. And yeah, it was didn't actually. It didn't, it didn't work, but, um, you know, anyway, he's back to the... Where is he? He's at the hospital now, is he? The hospital, he? yeah. He's yeah. on like a payphone in the, in the corridor. Yeah. I mean, why doesn't he just go across the street and talk to the guy? <laughs> he's literally sat there. <laughs> he's like there, yeah. Maybe he does know he's there. <laughs> anyway, he goes to Elena's lab, <laughs> knocks on the door. High security, this. She goes, who is it? He says, it's me. And she lets him, <laughs> lets in. him in. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. These are both IMF agents, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, basically, Rollin stops pretending. He shows her the, the little strip of microfilm and asks her where she got it. And when she says she doesn't know, he uses that code phrase again. Mm. Think about your cousin Alfredo and whatnot. But she still swears that she doesn't know, starts to get a bit wound up again. So he, he backs off, gives her a bit of time. So, and he goes to the phone to try the operative again. <laughs> so many times he tries to ring this man. Elena, meanwhile, is sort of looking at her open, empty hand. Oh, yeah, and, he's a bit confused me. And hallucinates that the little microfilm capsule thing suddenly appears in it. Yeah, and, and then disappears. Yeah, and it's it's like she's running through the things in her mind. The, the, mm. the mental block is breaking down. And she goes back. We see the flashes of the, the statues and the shadowy figure and the bird and mm. the river and all that sort of stuff again. 
And then she runs out of the lab <laughs> down yeah. the corridor and jumps in the lift. Rollin chases after her. <laughs> and you were like, oh, you could have gone faster than that, Rollin. He could have made that <laughs> lift, yeah. Because, like, she only left, what do you reckon, like, less than five seconds yeah. she left the room between her leaving and then Rollin following her. And then she runs down the corridor. And the lift's not there at this stage. No. She's got time to push the button. The doors, I'm saying that, the doors don't fly, fly open. <laughs> Quickly steps in. Because the stagehands are like, quick, quick, get it, quick. <laughs> was bloody running down the corridor. Um, he, he looks at the lights, you know, the little floor lights, mm. and this time she's heading up rather than down to the exit. Yeah. Um, so he runs to the stairs and chases her up there. When he gets out onto the fire escape on the side of the building, Elena is... She's on like a really narrow ledge mm. on the, the very top of the building. Yeah. So she's like standing over a massive drop. Mm. She's going to kill herself. It's a very brave stunt woman. That's I was going to say, there. someone's actually up there yeah, as well, aren't they? They're and, not um, faking it. There's someone no. up. And it's definitely a, woman, a stunt woman doing it yeah. as well. There's no way, no way that's a bloke with them legs. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she wants Roland to let her die. She's remembered what it is that she's meant to do and it's better that she dies rather than do that. Mm-hmm. She's a spy, but she's not a traitor. And tonight she'll be forced to denounce the president and say that he sold the secrets of their defence and she mustn't do that. Rollin, he manages to talk her down, calm her down and, mm. and get her off the, that tiny little ledge. There is one slightly dodgy moment where it looks like she's going to slip off it, but he, he, yeah, I he thought, grabs her. Yeah. You see the operative watching it all unfold from from down on ground level. Mm. That must he, have looked quite bad from his point of view because, like, Rollins in a pretty tight embrace with uh, with her at that stage. I get the feeling this is where he starts to become a bit sympathetic to mm. it all. Oh, what the executioner guy? Yeah, right. Okay, I think he's not be he's not he's not, not a bad guy. He's not a bad yeah, person no, he's, at all. He's, he's he's there to do the job, and you are supposed to as any type of you know, agent for any, you know, if you aspire something, you, you're supposed to, like even in the army, you follow orders without question. I mean, he, that's what you're trained he, to do. He agreed to go and ask his handler, his version of mm. Dan, presumably, that, yeah. uh, for an extension. So he's not mm. completely against the idea. So we cut back to, I think, I think it's the lab or Carlos's office or something. Anyway, mm. they're, they're having a sit down and Elena explains to Rollin this plan that she's been made a part of against her will. Mm. So there's going to be a reception at her house tonight where the president will sign the bill for the construction of a new centre of culture that's been sponsored by Elena's mother. And during this announcement, Elena will denounce him. The Secret Service will investigate and find that the microfilm is missing Mm -hmm. and Elena will confess that it was the president who gave it to her to transmit it to whatever foreign powers. Mm. Even though she's remembered this, she's not going to be able to fight the compulsion because the, the programming the is too yeah. strong. She starts to remember about when she was taken to be programmed. Um, mm. She was at a party and it felt like she'd been drugged. Everything was weird and beautiful and she was taken away somewhere. He was talking to her and he gave her the microfilm. And then there was the vision of Viracocha glowing with fire. And that's what she'll see tonight, which will trigger her to denounce Gustavo. Yeah. But she still can't remember who this he is. <laughs> mm. It's ten past one, so we're past the, the point of execution. We are, yeah. And Rollin still can't manage to reach the operative because, unfortunately, he's 50 years before the invention of mobile phones. <laughs> Rollin says, 
that they'll stop all this somehow. And he holds up his pen. And he's like, oh, that made me laugh. He's like, now. Do you see this pen? Do you see this pen? And it's an inch from her face. But he holds it there. <laughs> and then, and then and the like, camera cuts. A cut to the next <laughs> yeah. scene. Yeah. I thought, at this point, I thought, he's going to use that to reverse hypnotise her. Because, again, Rollin is like a stage oh, magician so, yeah. as one of his things. I yeah. thought he was going to be like, now, you see this pen? And he holds it up to her nose for a second and he goes, boop, and it's on the nose of it. <laughs> <laughs> no reason, just felt like it. Yeah, yeah, just for giggles. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, we just cut away from the random pen moment. And yeah. we're outside Elena's house again. It's dark, so it's obviously a lot later than the one o'clock deadline. Elena's at the window, really obviously combing her hair in full yeah. view of the operative who's hidden in the bushes in the garden with a rifle. <laughs> Rollin kind of rushes over and stops him, pleading. You can tell he's an IMF agent because his bushwork is terrible. <laughs> yeah, not great. <laughs> Perhaps he was an apprentice to Dan. It may be, yeah. Uh, Rollin yet again pleads to him for just one more hour, mm. and which he gets. The, the operative's like, okay, fine. One hour, and then I put an end to all this. Mm. So inside the house, there's like an audience. They've organised chairs in front of a table. Mm. It's a bit like when the American president is like signing something yeah. in front of the press and whatever. Was this being televised or? Yeah, there's a TV crew there, and they've, right, okay. they've set up like uh, lamps on stands to illuminate the whole thing. Mm. The president's behind the table with the papers. Uh, Elena and her mother are sat to one side of him. The yeah. other side is the general and uh, Miguel, who seems to be in his element because he jumps up to the microphone and gives like an introduction for the president. It's the first time we've seen him be cheerful yeah. this yeah. entire time. And uh, Gustavo starts to give his speech. Mm. And it's quite clever, this, because the, the camera angle they pick is as if we're the television camera. Yeah. And he's giving it straight down the barrel as mm. if it's a proper presidential address. Yeah, because there's, there's an audience in this room as well, isn't there? Um, of about, what, a dozen people or something? Yeah, something like that. Because I, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a, a radio broadcast rather than a television broadcast, because it was, it was a really odd moment at the beginning where there was, like, the guy with the headphones on who was probably the, I don't know... The floor director yeah, or something Yeah, and like that, yeah. he sort of, like mimes clapping for the audience <laughs> yeah to get them going and then he's sort of like does he do like a five four three two one kind Count of countdown um but he's standing right in front of the camera when he's doing it i was like <laughs> if they're videoing this they're watching him do all these stupid mime moves or whatever which is why i thought it was being on being broadcast on the radio but anyway i liked him i like that guy yeah yeah uh, the president gives his speech he's got again he's got that wonderful voice isn't he so. yeah he does mm. Friends, thank you. This is a most happy occasion. It is the culmination of many weeks, many months, of devoted work on the part of many people gathered here this evening. Among them is the guiding spirit of this project, my good friend, Signora Consuelo del Barre. So all our main suspects are here in this room, yeah, including Tomas, who is lurking sort of just to one side of the the crowd, mm. you know, opposite. The, he's not at the table; he's opposite the table. And Rollin, yeah, Rollin's one. Rollin uh, Poirot is there. He's at one of the seats in the in the audience as well. Elena's looking across at him, looks a bit worried, mm. and Rollin, bless his heart, gives her a little wink and a smile. He does. That's quite <laughs> nice. I liked that. It was um, like a nice little touch. Yeah. He gets up, Rollin, and goes over to stand near Tomas, 
who's stood next to one of the the lamps on a stand. They're kind of man man height, mm. aren't they? These, yeah, yeah. These, these lights. Tomas, well, he's got the mask of Viracocha in his hands. So uh, <laughs> massive, yeah, yeah absolutely massive. It's not mask. like he could have snuck it in in his pocket. How did he explain walking in the room with that? Well, he or the, was it on the wall? All these just... statues and things are in there. I bet right. if we, we peeked here long enough, we might spot. You might have masks. seen it on the yeah. wall before, so because it, it just looks like plain brown wood, carved yeah. wood at this point. Hmm. It's not until he then holds it up in front of the lamp yeah. that it becomes kind of illuminated and yellow, yellow, bright yellow red and red. And it's yeah. got like red eyes, isn't it, in a yellow yeah. mask. Yeah, so Elena can see this from where she's sitting. And That's a trigger, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she's triggered and she sort of mm. stands up and interrupts and announces that there is a traitor here tonight. And Rollin, stood next to Tomas, gets his pen out. He does, yeah. Elena says she knows who it is, at which point Rollin knocks the lamp up to blind Tomas. Yeah. Elena says she'll put an end to the betrayal as Rollin slips his pen into Tomas's breast pocket. Mm-hmm. And the traitor is... Rollin throws the mask down at Elena's feet and it shatters into loads of pieces. Yeah. And it stops her from saying what she was going to say. And she sort of stands there blinking a bit as she breaks free of the conditioning at mm. the sight of all the, the shattered god mask on the floor. Yeah, you could, like everyone in the room is holding their breath yeah. at the moment. I was as well. And she raises a <laughs> finger and points it at Tomas. Mm. The traitor is here. He has a knife, she says. Search him. So they do, and they pull Rollins pen from Tomas's pocket. And it turns out it's like a switchblade hidden inside. Yeah, yeah. It. It's like a... The, the clip, you'd clip it into your pocket, kind of hinges up and yeah. the whole thing opens in half to yeah. reveal a long, thin knife inside. Mm. It's quite good. Is that a thing? I, well, it looked like an actual thing. It didn't look like a prop they'd knocked up. It I was, know you, they've, they do knives. I've seen knives like that in films and things like knife. that, but not, not, not as a pen. No. Um, it's a good umbrella. Um, I've seen sword umbrellas and things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that the Avengers? Yeah. Yeah. Good old John Steed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's seemingly we're like a little bit later in a different room, like mm. perhaps uh, an office or something in the house. Yeah. And uh, the president is examining this penknife thing. He says, I see you're a student of Roman history, Thomas. And uh, Thomas then tries to blame Elena for framing him. Gustavo, the president, picking around with his pen, he finds something else inside the casing. <laughs> yeah. And it's the microfilm, a little bit of film. And Tomas still tries to blame Elena, saying that uh, she planted it there. And he wants the president to think, if he had wanted to kill the president, why would he conceal a secret microfilm inside the knife? And there's a pause. And then the president says, how did you know it was a secret document? I didn't say that. <laughs> and then his Busted. face dropped. <laughs> yeah. As did the contents. <laughs> Of your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the plot is revealed and the day is saved. Um, there's just time for Ronnie and Elena to say goodbye. Mm. They're, kind of, they're sort of stood in the, the little corner of the room that's got all these statues and things there. This scene, before you explain this, is so James Bond. It's amazing. <laughs> it really is. The mu- Again, the music becomes like it's from some soapy melodrama. You know? Yeah. Like sort yeah. of romantic strings playing yeah. and whatnot. And Elena says, the trouble with intelligence work is that you make such nice friendships, but there's not any future in them. And Ronin says, you have a future now. Let's settle for that. Hmm. And with one last kiss, as the music swells, 
exit Rollins stage right. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that, actually. Because the second we'd finished watching it, I was... It's not one of my favourite... Not one of my favourite episodes, but... It it was it was uh, you know it was a rolling episode. You can't really go wrong with a yeah, rolling episode. Ma- Martin Landau is is he's, great to watch. He's, he's charismatic, yeah. and he's got the best stunt guy when they do the yeah, weird fights. And yeah. yeah, you believed this little budding relationship between mm. them. You know, it wasn't yeah, that, forced or anything. He that just gives it. Hinged on that, I think. Yeah. and they sold it really well. Yeah. Um, good get. I mean, the good. Guest cast as well. I mean, you you said mm. there wasn't like a, a strong villain, and there kind of isn't because they don't reveal the villain mm. until the very end, because otherwise it would give it all away. But I suppose it's not. This episode's not really about the villain. It's about Elena, isn't it? Yeah, and unraveling the the plot. And mm. Yeah, and um, yeah, I suppose it's not. It's not you know where you've got like the boo hiss bad guy, and then the IMF are just trying to bring them down. It's it's focusing more about her and. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it actually. It was, it was good. I like, I like the solo missions where I know you had, um, the other guy helping him, uh, but he wasn't in it very often. They disappeared about halfway through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then he never came back again. (laughs) But yeah, good, good rolling episode. What did you think? I liked it. I, I think it, to my mind, it borrowed quite a bit from like the Manchurian Candidate. You know, oh, I've not seen that. Which is about like a the son of a prominent US political family being brainwashed into mm. becoming an assassin for a communist conspiracy. Oh, so okay. it's kind of along those lines. I mean, that was published nineteen fifty nine, so it was it was out there. Is that a Denzel Washington film? The or? remake. Was, oh, okay, yeah, right, okay, maybe, right. I, I, I didn't realise it was a book. If it was the seventies, I think the first film was something like. Oh, that, okay, anyway. yeah. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, normally at this point, we'd do Mission Unguessable, but yes. we've got to make an announcement. <laughs> We're going to be taking a bit of a break, because I've got my own Mission Impossible. That I've got an exam I've got to do for work at the end of March, which kind of ties into whether I get to progress and be promoted and whatnot. And I've got to learn a lot of stuff for it, so I'm not really going to have the time to I've put seen I've this. seen this revision book, and it is... It is Oh, sorry, I'm laughing. It is unbelievable. <laughs> you saw one so, bit of it. Yeah. There's more, trust me. And that me. gave me a headache. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to have to look at that. So we'll come back in a few months' time. Yeah. With normal service being resumed. Um, but, but don't forget, you guys, you can re-listen to all of our other episodes. Yes, why So not? we're still there. We're still here. Yeah. Trapped in the machine. And we're still, we'll, I'll st- well, we'll still be managing the Facebook page and everything. So if you know, you guys want to keep in contact. Shoot us a message. Yeah. yeah. Do it. I don't have revision to do, so I will be <laughs> readily available <laughs> sitting at my laptop. For stuff and nonsense. Um, <laughs> but we are going to offer you one more thing before we go. Our little, call it a Christmas special, New Year special. Yeah. Where we're going to. Holiday special. Yeah. Holiday special. We're going to jump in a time machine and head from. December the 10th, 1966 to November the 13th, 1997 for an episode that we talked about in one of our earlier shows. We did. I was so excited about this. And well, um, let's, let's play the theme music and see if anyone can guess what it is. Okay, all right. It's not 60s Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
right, Diagnosis Murder. <laughs> or as the title card said, Dick Van Dyke Diagnosis Murder. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, this is the action comedy mystery medical crime drama, which is quite a mixture, starring <laughs> Dick Van Dyke of Mary Poppins The fame, one and only. As Dr. Mark Sloan. And his son Barry Van Dyke as his character's son, homicide detective Steve Sloan. And together they solve crimes, obviously. And so we're going to watch season five, episode 10 called Discards, which is the one we talked about in an early episode. We did. I'm so excited about this. I'm like really <laughs> grinning. <laughs> and I found a little description of this episode on uh, like the BBC website from when they showed it donkeys years ago. In an episode featuring stars of classic TV spy series, Mission Impossible, I Spy, The Avengers and The Man From U.N.C.L.E., a quiet fishing trip turns into a surreal nightmare for Jesse when he discovers his estranged father's true identity as a CIA agent and a plot of international intrigue Murder and revenge ensues. Which all sounds like good stuff, frankly. That's got everything in it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is our gift That's to you our guys. It's a holiday offering. <laughs> and we're going to do it drunk as well. Because I think we it's should. It's Christmas, so why yeah. not? <laughs> and we're still, we're still trying to persuade my, my wife to listen to it and join in on the podcast. Who's in the room now? And she's shaking her head at us. Yeah, no, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. You're going to watch it with us, though, aren't you? Okay, she's still shrugging. <laughs> We'll, we'll work on it. But yeah, that will... Um, <laughs> when will that, when will that, air? That'll uh, be... that That, by my calculations, will come out, I think it's Friday the 28th of December, so between Christmas and New Year. Mm, so okay. It'll nestle right in your Christmas yeah. slot. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. We will see if we can get a lot of um, Christmas uh, <laughs> jokes of that, of that calibre <laughs> in the podcast, or, which we probably will do if we've had a couple of drinks. Look, listen, one of the guys in the show is called Dick. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> On that bombshell. Um, Merry Christmas to everyone, because I suppose the next time you'll hear us will be after Christmas, won't it? Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you, Rob. Thank you. And to you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please do so on Twitter at Impod, that's I-M-P-P-O-D, and let us know if we missed anything or got something wrong. Go easy on the spoilers, please, even though this aired in the 60s, we haven't seen it yet. So until the next mission, goodbye, Agent, and good luck. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Probably. Probably.